This is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about international business and globalization and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent decades. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business and an overlay of personal experience both for me and from my interviewees from around the world. In today's program, we will be talking to Diane Garcia, founder and president of Lorraine Consulting, located in Portland, Oregon in the US. Uh, Lorraine Consulting is uh, in the supply chain space, which is very topical currently, given the imminent rollout of COVID vaccines worldwide, and maybe we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, Lorraine Consulting commenced activities in 2018, and prior to that, uh, Diane had roles in various aspects of materials management, production, scheduling, and planning with several businesses, including Walgreens, Honeywell, and Curtis Wright. So welcome, Diane, and thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to uh, to speak today. You're very welcome. Uh, so, um, Diane, you uh, are currently in, in Portland, um, in Oregon, which I often think of, you know, it's kind of northwest of the of the continent a bit like ireland and europe so i guess it's kind of rainy and and humid <laughs> and, and mild but yet you're from arizona which is a complete opposite like from you so you've gone from the desert to the rain um so how did that happen and, and how do you find the difference in terms of climate and culture and so on yeah great question <laughs> uh i i actually grew up in southern arizona so if you can imagine i I, I came from uh, the area of, of tumbleweeds and, and uh, desert landscaping into uh, really a, a magical rainforest up here. I, I think I was looking for uh, something outside of Arizona. I didn't imagine that I would always live in Arizona as I grew up. Um, through you know a few events, uh, my father passed uh, when I was in my twenties. I, th- I think it was a it was a pretty big shock uh, to me, and I, I decided. Uh, you know, I, maybe I should make some changes. Maybe I could see the world and and explore. And just over time, uh, Portland, uh, you know, became a destination with friends who had actually moved into the area as well. And I I, I thought I would not enjoy the rain, or at least it would take some getting used to. And and it sometimes I'm actually craving <laughs> craving the rain and and the changes in the cloud and clouds and yeah it's it's a great it's a great place up here and, and Portland's a very special city yeah so yeah and then your your career uh today could you give us a brief overview of your career um up to the point when you started Lorraine yeah sure so I I earned a bachelor's of science in supply chain management from Arizona State University um I was uh, in the W.P. Carey School of Business program uh, for their supply chain management program, which is consistently ranked uh, top five in the United States. It's a great program, a great school. And uh, I think it's worth mentioning, uh, secondly, that I have a mechanical background. Uh, And what I mean by that is I I grew up around automotives. I grew up uh, drag racing with my father. And so while most friends growing up, maybe were learning to play video games or spending their time playing video games, I was learning how to change my oil, change my brakes. I really learned how an engine worked and how all the systems within a vehicle work together. And so uh, growing up around engines was very normal for me and, and working in shops was very normal. So when I graduated from ASU with my degree in supply chain management, uh, I found the first engine I could, <laughs> which was actually at uh, Honeywell Aerospace, a, a jet engine. 
And uh, I, I gained a tremendous amount of experience uh, at Honeywell uh, just in a short time. Um, Honeywell actually offered me a rotational program, a leadership rotational program. And so I was able to, uh, you know, move around to different roles, to different facilities over a short period of time. I, I really owe a great deal of credit to Honeywell. It was a, it's a great company. Um, I learned a lot there and uh, expanded my network very quickly. And uh, just over years of working in the aerospace industry, I moved on to suppliers to Honeywell and to Boeing. And uh, I, I just learned overall the uh, ups and downs between uh, the supply chain. And, uh, and then as I moved on to other companies, I, I was flying around the U.S. Uh, and also into Mexico, uh, assisting facilities with their planning and scheduling of materials. And so over time, I just found myself kind of connecting the dots uh, between all of these, these different experiences and uh, became interested in different industries and, and very, very obsessed <laughs> about what I had learned about supply chain management. And uh, so I, I took the leap into consulting a few years back, and it's been fun. Okay, so that was what two thousand and eighteen, and yeah, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. Okay, and what sparked you to go go it alone, if you like? It's, it can be a lonely, um, a lonely road. <laughs> That's a good question. I, you know, I, it was something that I I didn't realize. I, I understand completely what you mean by a lonely road. I. I was used to a team of people. I, I really enjoyed working with, the, you know, the different functions. And so it has been a, a shift uh, of, of, uh, of working uh, or how, how to work. But, you know, working with clients has been fun. Um, I, you know, you get to see so many different uh, ways of doing things and, uh, and, you know, work with different teams and different personalities. And, and I really enjoy that. I, I think I, I was uh, talking with colleagues over time when I was working in Arizona. Uh, a few in my network had mentioned consulting and, and I became interested over, you know, over conversations with them. And, and I had seen that they were able to, um, you know, make it work, or at least I had a few uh, mentors in the space. And so I think it just became a very natural transition. Okay. And with your clients now, what kind of things do you get involved in? What kind of services do you provide to them? Um, really, my, my clients are manufacturing companies and distribution companies. And so uh, the things that they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis and, and my, my expertise, uh, I could probably summarize it with uh, overall, I, I work with uh, the planning and scheduling of materials within the supply chain. Um, also, how to use the systems uh, to support that. So uh, ERP is a, is a term in, in our industry, which is really just the uh, software that companies use uh, to organize their finances, organize how they're order, ordering their materials. And so uh, at my time at Honeywell and other companies, I really became an ERP expert uh, and understanding how to use that technology to support the supply chain activities. And, and then the last thing I would say is I, I work, work with clients to really, um, you know, help their, their supply chain folks and, and uh, helping them build their skills and understanding of how to use these systems and also what are the basic concepts uh, of supply chain management. Okay. And what might be two or three ways in which uh, clients are better off after they've been working with you? And what, what does a typical engagement look like? Well, they, they vary. Um, I, I have projects within the uh, 
more of the planning realm um, into a, a term called SIUP, Sales Inventory Operations Planning, um, which is, uh, it's a very fun topic in helping companies implement a, a SIUP process. Uh, and then I have also clients who are in the warehousing side, uh, on the distribution end, who are, are looking to better manage their efficiency. And so I think better they're better off overall with with uh, the assessment that we will typically start with, and uh, they're they're really looking to understand how can they transform their business, what what's going to maximize uh, their customer experience, how do they uh, make the business more profitable, and so uh, they're just they're better off with the the assessment. And then in cases of the ERP um, and, and the selection of an ERP project. Uh, really, I'm helping them to select a best fit system, or um, maybe if it's not ERP, it's a related software, maybe like a forecasting tool or a business intelligence tool. And so really helping them understand what they need and and uh, helping them select the best fit for that. that need. Okay. And what kind of um, sectors are you active in with your clients and uh, what size of businesses typically are you working with? I would say small to mid-sized companies. I do have clients that are, you know, in the hundreds of millions and then I have clients who are, you know, 20 million. So it's uh, it's kind of a, a, a large spectrum, but uh, the industries, I'm, obviously I, I grew up in aerospace, um, but I've expanded into other industries like food and consumer goods has been a, a common um, industry that my clients have, have been in. Okay. And I've noticed over the last few weeks how perspectives have changed since the announcement of the um, the imminent uh, rollout of, of of vaccines. Well, I guess the uh, uh, the success or the efficacy of the vaccines and then and their imminent imminent rollout. And I've noticed the uh, it's almost like a changing of the guard. People's focus has changed. They're beginning to look to the future. They're beginning to think more strategically. What kind of things are you seeing? What developments are you seeing in the change of perspective among your clients in in recent weeks? Because it's all quite new, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it seems month to month it's new, and 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 the uncertainty I think is what yeah, my clients are are and have been working to navigate. Um, I, I think it's it's been how do they focus? How do they focus their resources? Uh, what are the priorities? I think those have been the been the main questions. Uh, at least uh, talking with my clients has been, and uh, you know, you mentioned the vaccines. I, I think that. I have clients who have been impacted, uh, you know, in different ways by the by the COVID nineteen pandemic. It's it's I've seen you know clients have seen dramatic increases in in demand that they have been working to handle. And I've had clients who, you know, they're they're trying to keep up with what their customers are 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 going to do next. And so it's been trying to you know do some predictive um, analytics, trying to really uh, forecast or or how do they forecast what what is happening and and trying to anticipate that, which is which is a difficult task, especially as you mentioned, things change uh, pretty rapidly here. Um, I know I've had a, a recent client who, because of the the COVID restrictions in our area, have had to put a few key projects or or uh, a few key initiatives uh, on hold to the side at least for a few weeks just to get organized and and, and get um you know, on the right path to the requirements here locally by the, by the shutdowns. Yeah. You would, you would guess that 
forecasting as we knew it just isn't going to work right now. It's almost like either you need new tools or you need to use the existing tools, but much more frequently. Yeah, I think I think that's really the 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 common uh, thread here is uh, maybe they maybe they have tools that they're they're not really utilizing or or they're not uh, optimizing, and so you know, do, do they have what they need, and and uh, do they have the visibility, um, or maybe it's it's uh, investing in some new technology that uh, would would help, but I, I you know. It, Things have changed dramatically, and at the same time, they they haven't. I, I think that I found once going through an assessment this year with a client that you know they could use some some basic information into uh, into the psyop process and how did they work to to get all their different functions organized and collaborating because that that goes a long way in terms of being able to anticipate demand and being able to execute against that demand. And in this uh, sales inventory and operations planning, um, the balance between resilience and efficiency, you know, on the one hand, um, businesses like to optimize inventory as much as they can. But on the other hand, if you're working internationally and so on, or you're working with uh, suppliers in other geographical locations, you can be exposed if things go wrong, as, as they have done with, with, with COVID-19. Um, so how, how are you seeing that playing out, that tension between resilience and efficiency. And I know you, you've mentioned at different times when we've spoken before about um, warehousing and how, how is our inventory and warehousing as resources being changed by what's happened in, in the course of this year? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, so the SIOP process really kind of helps the, the organization with these decisions. So you mentioned the uh, resiliency versus the efficiency. Well, you really have to be able to do both. Mm. Um, you really have to be able to anticipate. You have to be able to execute and, and to, uh, to do all these activities. I mean, this, there's a science to supply chain management and, uh, and understanding how to handle and, uh, and coordinate all these different uh, activities and balance all of these activities. And that's, you know, the SIOP process is, is helpful for that. It gives you, you know, it, it gives you really a long-term plan into the future and it, it keeps, it keeps everybody moving in the right direction. It, it allows you to, you know, see key decisions like, do you have enough warehousing space? Do you have enough machine capacity? Um, are you, you know, are you providing your, your suppliers with these, with these uh, accurate forecasts so that they can make decisions uh, down the supply chain that are going to support you and your customers. Um, so it's it, it's the SIOP process is a, it's a it's a great planning process or a great tool, um, but I, I I think no matter what we're in a, a difficult situation with with just the uh, overall quick rapid changes that are that are uh, affecting you know across different industries and and so you, I know Patrick you and I talked uh, not too long ago about building partnerships. Um, with maybe a, a 3PL, um, mm -hmm. you know, partner to kind of help for you to make these these decisions quickly. You know, if you find yourself in in a situation where maybe you are needing additional uh, resources or additional capacity, how do you how do you uh, leverage those partnerships? Yeah, and this is where perhaps um, partnerships with people like uh, third party logistics providers, 3PLs, which in the past. Um, we're often very transactional, maybe beginning to deepen and become a bit more sophisticated. Are you seeing any evidence of that? Yeah, I, I think uh, 
I think just from different client projects, it's uh, it's it's necessary, especially in times like these. You know, you I, I think starting out with with the question internally about what is it that you you do need in, in a partner and and uh, and maybe what you needed you know, a year, two, three, five years ago isn't what you currently need and having to be able to shift directions uh, you know, or, or understanding if you're headed in the right direction is, is the first step. But then yes, these partnerships are proving to be very useful and, and the ability for you to quickly respond is, is what, you know, what you benefit from these relationships. Yeah. And I think, I think that speed of response, um, I think people have become just how conscious of how important that is. Um, and there'll be far more than lip service paid to that, I think, in the future. Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of, of being able to respond, you know, we have to keep up with the, the expectations of today with things being delivered or shipped same day or, or you know, a customer at the click of a, of a mouse expects that that package to arrive. I think it's just we're in this in this uh, expectation now, and and we have to really uh, within the supply chain industry work to to meet and exceed that expectation. Yeah, I, I guess what people you know people become familiar now with the term uh, supply chain, which maybe until a few years ago was a kind of an esoteric uh, term that people weren't <laughs> particularly familiar with. Uh, but now with, um, well, here before with, with, with Brexit, it came to the fore here, if you like, in, uh, in Britain and Ireland um, a couple of years back. But now with COVID and dependency on e-commerce and so on. So I think you, you and I have spoken as well about developments in e-commerce. And we, we've seen the uh, emergence of small warehouses in cities to be able to fulfill orders, sometimes shops converted almost into warehouses. So what have you been seeing in, in, in that space, uh, local solutions and perhaps platform solutions uh, for e-commerce fulfillment? Yeah, I think at a high level, it's what is needed and what's available. Um, you know, are there warehouses space, like you mentioned, the, you know, opening up or, or uh, retrofitting spaces that could be utilized? Because I, I do find that with companies wanting to anticipate or, or having to anticipate additional uh, demand uh, that might mean suddenly needing additional space, and so it's it's uh, how do you you know how do you find that availability so quickly? And uh, you know, one of the things that was just recently uh, brought to my attention was a warehousing solution called Flex, and mm-hmm. so you know it's it's a, it's an interesting concept. I think it's it's exciting to see uh, you know like you mentioned supply chain management is all over the place I think 2020 was the first time I think my mom really understood what I did every day in my career <laughs> so it's it's mine, uh, mine still doesn't understand what I did <laughs> yeah it's it's such a you know once I learned in school supply chain management I could not unsee it you know it was it was just so obvious to me and, and these systems and these complexity of the systems that are are being built and so I, I think it's interesting to see um, you know software or, or solutions like flex come into the space because it, it does allow companies to see what availability in their area of warehousing how do they ramp up very quickly um, I, I think that with the rise of Amazon and the Amazon effect and and just as we were talking about the customer expectation uh, of things has has shifted quite a bit. I think that this is a, a natural progression to to work on executing into the supply chain. Yeah, flex.com is is interesting because it's 
um, retailers or distributors who maybe need to compete with Amazon uh, in, in their own in their own um, niche, if you like, but have the difficulty of where how do I leverage the um, infrastructure that's out there? And Flex.com is almost like an Airbnb for warehousing, and it gives them that ability to reach. Uh, well, it's only available in the U.S. now, but to reach all across uh, the the American market, and I guess in time that will come to Europe as well. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I am certain of that. Yeah. Just may, maybe we'll um, uh, get in our helicopter and maybe go up in the air a bit and look at the the great panorama of the of the world and what's kind of going on. So, um, you know, we were in a process of uh, advancing economic globalization in in recent years, and I think since maybe 2015, 2016, with Brexit and the Trump administration and trade wars and so on, uh, it's almost seemed to uh, undergo a, a strong pushback. So w- what's your take on where we are with globalization? Do you think it's peaked? Do you think we're already moving backwards or is it a blip and we're just you know moving into a different form? What's your own uh, personal opinion on it? Yeah, I, I think my personal opinion is that we're, I, I wouldn't say we're we're going backwards. I think globalization is, is here. The, the infrastructure is here. The expectation of, you know, communication easily across you know, no matter where you are, you, you can you can chat with people all over the world. You can share information um, with each other very easily. So I don't think that just by by the nature of of the technology we have at, available at our fingertips, about the the infrastructure we have in place, that it's it's uh, it's going anywhere. I do think that there are shifts in in overall how people are seeing the world, and and I wouldn't say that. COVID-19 has necessarily changed that. It's accelerated patterns, I think, across, um, you know, different industries. And and I guess on a personal note, I would say that I have noticed that with the isolation and the, and the shutdowns and, and the, uh, you know, people feeling maybe disconnected that I do think that there's a, a need or there's a craving for local supply chains and, and, and people are questioning what, where their you know food and where their clothes and where their products are coming from, and so I think there will be some shifts in in how products are are sourced and and produced. But I think no matter what, globalization is here to stay. We're all we're all so connected, and we'll become more connected as time goes on. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, you know, we're seeing this combination of maybe um, nearshoring and reshoring, and exactly people looking at solutions closer to home notwithstanding the, the the fact that we continue to trade internationally do you see do you see the incoming administration changing the thinking of business with regard to those types of strategic questions that they pose themselves yeah i think it'll be interesting i, I would suspect you know there there will be i'm sure a lot of shifts but just top of mind i, I would suspect that with the new administration in the us that one of the key things that we'll see is uh, you know, the Biden administration working on de-escalating the trade wars. And, and so there will be revisions to the tariffs. I think that will be as topical and, and uh, obvious things that, that would change over time with the, uh, with the, with the new uh, leadership in the U.S. 
Okay. And then as as we come into the last few minutes of the uh, the interview, I might just uh, change tack again and just ask you about, um, you know, what you do uh, outside of work. What do you like to do with your discretionary time when you're not actually working on your business? Well, I would say when you're an independent consulting, that time, <laughs> that time becomes <laughs> less and less available. Yeah. Uh, uh, but my uh, passions, I, I guess I, I always have to work on restricting uh, passions. I, I, I try to recall uh, at Peter Drucker quote of uh, focus, focus, focus. If you have uh, more than five goals, you have none. <laughs> so I, I tend to try to recall that because I find myself in all different topics, all different passions. But I would say if it's food related, if it's fitness related, uh, I, I typically am in, interested in, in understanding the body and understanding food and, and how to nourish my body for a, a healthy uh, life. So I'm very interested in, in learning about vegetables and plants. Uh, so I do spend my time doing that, um, girl, you know, having, having plants around me and, and uh, learning about cooking the food that I, that I enjoy. Um, and then just in general, I, I'm constantly trying to learn uh, as much as I can about you know, different things. So uh, whether that's uh, trying to learn about how to play music or mm-hmm. Uh, like Echo was mentioning, um, I, I spent my first half of my life working on automotives, and now I, I've, I've been spending my time in the kitchen more and more. So it's okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dramatic shift, but w- wherever I can be learning, I, I think I've I've become very obsessive about uh, making sure I'm learning new things all the time. Excellent. And are you reading anything currently that you'd recommend to listeners? Oh yeah, I, I actually just finished. It was a it was a book recommended by a colleague. Um, I, I'm just wrapping it up, and I, I actually may go back and reread it uh, not too long in the future. It's it's uh, it's a book by Alan Weiss, who you're familiar with, yeah, Alan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I started reading the the his million dollar consulting book, um, and in the midst of that, I was recommended the Getting Started in Consulting book. And I, and I think for where I am in my career, the getting started in consulting has been a great resource, a very practical resource, but a very great resource. So I'm, I'm just wrapping that one up. And where can listeners find out more about you, more about your, your business, your thinking, uh, writing, so on? Yeah, they, they can, uh, they can uh, go to my website. Um, my website is Lorraine-Consulting.com. Or they should follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, my LinkedIn page is under Diane L. Garcia, and uh, just shoot me a message saying you you know you heard me on uh, Patrick's Interlinks program and uh, and you uh, would like to connect. Excellent. Well, Diane, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today, and I wish you the very best both professionally and personally. And uh, many thanks again for being here with us today. Thank you, Patrick, so much. Thanks also to our listeners and remember that if you would like to know more about how I can help you to formulate and implement international business strategies that deliver, check out my blog on albalogistics.com or pick up my book International Supply Chain Relationships on Amazon, Google Books or Apple Books. Thank you for listening and keep well until next time.